Hey there, video game fans. I'm Ben Bertoli, and this is Memory Card. We have a fun new bonus episode for you today, and another amazing guest expert. All the way from sunny London, England, it's the creator and founder of A Profound Waste of Time, the gaming publication magazine, Caspian Whistler. How are you, Kaz? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you doing? You all right? I'm, yeah, I'm pretty good. You know, we're, we're getting into the dull cloudy uh weather of winter yeah but i guess is that's kind of the standard where you live isn't it okay do you have to go for that right <laughs> out of the gate dude this is like a hate crime right out of the gate yeah no it's it's like properly miserable here <laughs> it's it really feels like winter it's getting dark at mm-hmm. four o'clock so yeah it's pretty bleak but you know we make do it's it's what we've got so we gotta deal with it i guess We've been bouncing back and forth lately. Like we had some days last week that were uh, like kind of warm, like in the 50s and 60s, uh, you know, at least here. Has it has it been up and down there or is it pretty steady? I, <laughs> I, it's been, like, I just love that like you have a Brit on the podcast and we're just immediately talking about the weather. It's like very, <laughs> it's like very typical. It's like right. very on brand. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's all over the place. Um, it's been fairly warm actually for as like bleak as it looks. So yeah, I don't know it's always a dice roll every day in the uk so you just we'll just roll with whatever we get this is going to tie back into your your game that you're going to talk about no spoilers but you know what i'm saying yeah 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 yeah. yeah. i do i see i see what you're doing now i see i see i see so uh the magazine a profound waste of time the third issue is currently being kick-started uh it is uh, at the moment of recording and this is going to go live probably tomorrow it is still up there um, and it's doing like mind-bogglingly well. I mean, it is uh, at, <laughs> at this time it is almost at two hundred thousand uh, U.S. dollars, which is just uh, crazy. But how did how did the profound waste of time? How did this magazine come to be in the first place? Give us a little background. Okay, um, so a profound waste of time started as like a thing, but when I was at university, I was like learning about zines. I went to art school, mm-hmm. and we were sort of learning about self-made publications and stuff. And you know, we were also hearing a lot about the punk movement and how sort of um, zines and like self-made publications that people would just make um, when sort of photocopiers and printers became a much more like affordable and accessible thing. Um, People just started making their own publications and they did it with like, you know, staplers and just photocopy paper and they would take stuff and scan it and, you know, take things from here and there and make really cool sort of graphic little like productions basically. Mm -hmm. And they're really tied to like the punk movement, you know, like punk as like a genre of music and a subculture kind of, it's quite linked to zines because they used to use these little self-made publications to share information about, I don't know, gigs or bands or, you know, whatever they want. And so I wanted to create something that was like also kind of rebellious in its own way. But I think like, you know, punk's very known for like being like this aggressive, rebellious sort of <laughs> DIY thing yeah. almost. Um, but like so much of games is already like quite aggressive, I find. <laughs> so I was like, how how do I like do something rebellious for like video games? And I sort of went, I kind of realized that like, oh, the rebellious thing can be to be like really open and super welcoming and do something that's very kind of um really prioritizes like design and not trying to bombard you with too much stuff and is very kind of 
got lots of room to breathe. Um, so the magazine is like a publication that I make that is rather than using screenshots that like you typically get in a games publication it's um 100 illustrated the entire way through mm-hmm. with like original illustration that we commissioned from the mag so it's become this very kind of special interesting little project <laughs> that i get to work on thanks to sort of generous kickstarter donations mm-hmm. i guess <laughs> it's like uh, there's a the public broadcasting system here in the united states and they, at the end of every show, it's like made possible by viewers like you. You know, it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very much like that for sure. Like, it's very, it's, I mean, to be honest, I, I mean, you've worked in, you know, with a lot of different spaces and publications. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of those places are usually subsisted by advertisements, you know, um, yeah. and because this is advert free. There is just no way that you can make something with the spec that this thing has and the production value and also have it be advert free without crowdfunding. So it, right. it's kind of, it just, it, it's like part and parcel of like what makes a project what it is, I think. <laughs> I think you should just get like a big, you know, like Pepsi logo or something, just splash it across some of those beautiful illustrations, <laughs> you know, get some funding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Like, hey, I mean, you know what? If they pay enough, maybe, who knows? If it, uh, if pep- they... Pepsi man, maybe, you know, keep with the video game uh, tradition. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of course, that's exactly, that's why I got into this 100%. <laughs> To, to do product placement yeah and sure. and full disclosure i i've i wrote a piece for the second issue a profound waste of time and i am contributing mm-hmm. to the third issue as well so um this isn't you know like a chance happening you know we've been working together for uh more than a year now um, yeah just talking about ideas and and what we want to do put in the in the new magazine and i'm hard at work at that as we speak yeah but, uh, thank you so much yeah. it's been really cool getting to work with you ben yeah i i don't know like i guess we can tell the story you just sort of like dropped me an email when i was working on issue two and i had this idea for ages about wanting to do an article about how labs mm-hmm. um and that in, that sat in my inbox for ages and i was like struggling to find who to write this article and i was like wait a minute sort of went back and i finally <laughs> i finally was like wait ben botoli he's perfect that's right he does all the weird history he does all the weird history yeah um yeah so it kind of really really worked out that um i I, like i'm super proud of that how article i I think it's super special and you did a lot of really good work on it and i kind of am really looking forward to seeing what you do with the tim schaefer piece that you're doing oh man the pressure the pressure is on yeah Yeah, i'm trying yeah Yeah. i'm trying to be nice but i'm also saying you know time's ticking dude you gotta gotta start writing i'm watching don't mess this up Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah No, um, I'd say at this point I'm uh, probably mm, like halfway to maybe uh, yeah about halfway through I, I think as far as like a, everything that I want to tell about you know his own personal history and like his kind of take on uh, mental health and game development so you, you'll just have to wait and see you'll just have to wait and see. your viewers will have to wait but, and see yeah. yeah I think like it's nice though <laughs> like the mag is like I guess not viewers right listeners but um ah the, well <laughs> the thing is um yeah the mag's really special in that we tend to get like really great contributors involved and like the latest issues got Fumito Ueda and Tim Schaefer and Rodney Allen Greenblatt so you've got like a really good heritage of like you know Shadow of a Colossus and you know Monkey Island um, Parappa Grim Fandango Parappa yeah yeah there's a lot of really really cool stuff 
that we get to work on and collaborate with people on. So I'm like, I'm just very, very lucky and happy that I get to work on this kind of passion project in the way that I do. Yeah, well, I'm sure a lot of the contributors feel the same way. Now, we've wanted to get you on the show here for a while now, and, and you and I decided uh, that it was better to cover something that's not explicitly in the magazine to kind of keep that fresh for the readers. So instead... <laughs> well, also, it just becomes a bit obnoxious, just like consistent product placement <laughs> right, for, right. Your, for your listeners. I don't want to be I don't want to be gross about it. So yeah. Yeah. So today's episode, which is brought to you by Pepsi, um, <laughs> is all about weird Game Boy cartridges. And we're just going to touch on uh, like one or two here, but we thought it'd be fun to just pick one and kind of dive in. Um, so do you want to go first, Kaz, or do you want me to, to kick things off? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, would, I just want to talk like a bit lightly about the whole sort of area because, yeah, it was this weird, interesting time, you know, especially around the sort of Game Boy Advance era where there were kind of people were making their own like proprietary kind of unique cartridges to go along with certain video games. Yeah. I, I mean, you, I think you kind of started to see this around sort of like, I, I think the Game Boy Color era, you had like that Pokemon pinball game. Do you remember that? That had like the very kind of like protruded yeah. rumble pack <laughs> that sort of stuck out. Yeah, had to take, you had to put a little battery inside of it. It did. Yeah. It took You had to put a battery in. Um, so, yeah. you know, and then you also had like sort of, um, what was it? Is it Kirby's Tilt and Tumble? I don't know if yeah. that's the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna get into that here in a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, that's another the Game Boy camera. The Game Boy camera. I I still have yeah. my Game Boy camera cartridge. Um, <laughs> yeah, bizarre thing that's got like a huge rotatable eye, <laughs> so you can take selfies and <laughs> and like turn it around to take the landscape around you. Really interesting, weird stuff that um yeah. genuinely is really cool and sadly you don't tend to see much stuff like that anymore for i guess a bunch of understandable reasons yeah because i mean you got a lot of systems that use discs and then you have even the switch you know the cartridges aren't really protruding from the top it'd be kind of hard to plug something in there but yeah we we did an episode uh, a couple seasons ago that was just all about like weird Game Boy accessories and we we had I mean we had one that was like a radar that you could like go fishing like legitimately go fishing with it and there was the you know the Game Boy camera Game Boy printer um there was like a like a dream helmet thing that like literally like gassed kids so they would could play Game Boy and fall asleep at the dentist and you could pull their teeth out <laughs> it's just wild okay yeah, if you're interested in wow. that kind of thing definitely go back and listen to that episode but yeah, yeah it sounds cool yeah I um so like do you know sort of what games you want to talk about today have you have you figured out I got one one in mind and I'm going to talk a little bit about uh similar games do you want me to start or do you want to go I think you should go. You should you should you should lead and then I can like figure out how to do this as I listen to you. I'll follow what you do. <laughs> okay. Fair enough, fair enough. So yeah, we actually talked about quite a few different options and um one of the options that I picked um I was actually digging into today and I fell so far down the rabbit hole that I was like, "You know what? I I can't pick this one because this is like probably worthy of an entire episode." So I'm going with my uh it's kind of my backup uh, choice here that's still very interesting and that is uh yoshi's topsy-turvy yeah for uh, the game boy game boy advance came out in 2004 and uh those listening from uh, japan i'm sure we have a few listeners there and uh europe will know it as yoshi's universal gravitation yeah which is quite quite the name change mm. do you know why that was have you been able to figure that out 
you know, I looked into it and uh, there's some theories, but no one seems to really have settled on um, an actual reason why they decided to change the name so substantially. And, and usually European and American games will, I would say, for the most part, get the same titles. Um, it's kind of weird for Europe and Japan to get the same thing. Um, some people were saying that they couldn't use topsy-turvy in the UK and in parts of Europe because there was a song in The Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Disney um, movie, that like it was going to be a uh, like conflict, you know, with Disney. <laughs> it's always Disney. It's sense, always Disney. Yeah, that, <laughs> that movie came out in America, too. In Japan, it's said that the game is named after a theater troupe that is also called Universal Gravitation. And they got their name from a poem about gravity. So I don't know. That's another rabbit hole that like no one seems like super sure on. Like maybe, you know, I need to dig into it or um, it's always good to go to like actual sites that are in Japanese to see what their take is on things. Because a lot of times it's different than what's on the, you know, American Wikipedia. But yeah, so it's called Universal Gravitation Everywhere, but in the United States where it's called Yoshi Topsy Turvy. And the reason why it is called both of those things is because it actually has a built-in gyroscope in the cartridge, like a tilt sensor. And uh, this is the same thing that they used in Kirby's Tilt and Tumble. They used it before this in WarioWare Twisted, which is uh, another Game Boy Advance game. And then there's a couple Japanese-only titles, like um, there's one called Koro Koro Puzzle Happy Panachu, which I'm not sure what exactly that translates to. But... um, yeah, it's it's an interesting looking cartridge. It's it's very green, um, and it has like a bigger kind of top. I think a lot of the Game Boy Color games like had the space up top for them to put. You know, like Kirby's Tilt and Tumble is not oversized, mm. but this game is like it has like it's obviously like different. Yeah, than it's a, a normal Game so Boy GBA cartridge, right? But like with a huge protruding yeah. kind of like. Um, yeah head <laughs> i guess right <laughs> right yeah. yeah yeah and uh this was actually developed by artoon the publisher artoon who are, are from japan and shockingly they're best known for making blinks the time sweeper for the xbox and the sequel uh and if people aren't aware of that game i feel like i need to do an episode on that at some point but it's it was like touted as this big xbox exclusive when the original console came out it's about a time cat like a cat janitor guy who can control time. I mean, it's not a terrible game, but it was kind of like, oh, is this going to be, you know, Sony's mascot, like Blinks? You know, he's like Sonic. He's like Mario. And it's very bizarre that they went from like, yeah, we're going to make these exclusive Xbox games to, uh, you know what? <laughs> Let's make some Yoshi games instead. Uh, for sure. Yeah, they, they actually went on to make Yoshi's Island DS for the DS, which ah, was okay. actually a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my memory uh yeah um you know introduced baby wario so. <laughs> well like there's an instant 10 then instant 10 game of the year yes yeah i think it's it's interesting right like yoshi always seems to be something nintendo feels very chill about doing experimental stuff with right i guess yeah. the only the only one of their franchises that i think compares probably might be kirby in terms of like here's a weird concept that we've done with the character and i i kind of understand it it seems like maybe the cute, the cuter you are, the more they're willing. They're like, you know what? These characters are so cute. No matter what crazy <laughs> content we shove at people, they'll just be like, oh yeah, Kirby, <laughs> Yoshi. 
Yeah. So cute. I, I think also, though, like, more than that, it's probably really difficult to find new convoluted ways of getting baby Mario stuck on that island. So you have to think <laughs> of, like, okay, what's, like, what's something else that I can do with this character? Well, I have um, shocking news for you, Kaz, and that is that, as far as I can tell, baby Mario is not in this game. This is yeah, which is yeah. that's the point, right? Yeah, that's interesting. So they like had to find something else, right? <laughs> what can we do with Yoshi <laughs> without Baby Mario? Uh, we'll make we'll make him tilt. <laughs> yeah, why not? We'll, we'll make him tilt. Yeah, because I, yeah. I was reading over the, like the plot. I, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't own this game. It, when it came out, I was just kind of like, eh, like I don't know. Like it seems a little gimmicky to mm. me. And I think in the end, you'll you'll hear that that's kind of what reviewers felt as well. But. The plot, the plot is just that Yoshi's chilling on Yoshi's Island, as he does, um, babyless, thank goodness, finally free of baby Mario, and Bowser's attacking the island, and there's these spirits that live on Yoshi's Island, unbeknownst to me, who, uh, there was one who is like the spirit of books, his name is uh, Hongo, and he <laughs> okay. accidentally traps the entire island, Bowser and, you know, all the Yoshis. Um, inside a, a picture book, which is very much like Yoshi's story. Like that's almost that's so interesting. Yeah, I was looking up screenshots of the game, uh, and it did really feel like a just a portable Yoshi story. A little in a lot bit. Of ways. It's got the same kind of yeah, yeah, completely the same sort of scrapbook aesthetic going on. Yeah, um, that's really cool. So there's yeah. a spirit that they introduce, and his name is, and this is not a joke, the spirit who loves surprises. Which is like, wow, that's a really long name for like a main character. <laughs> okay. Yeah, why not just like yeah. the surprise spirit or something? Um, and he's one of the many spirits of Yoshi's Island who basically Yoshi has to like go meet with or possibly defeat to get things back to normal. Because they're basically like trying to get them pulled out of the book. They want, they want to escape the book. Um, so uh, here on Memory Card, sometimes we do a thing where I list things. And you have to tell me if you think they're real or they're fake. Okay. So we're going to do this. I'm going to test your knowledge of the spirits on Yoshi's Island. Yeah, let's do it, dude. I'm, <laughs> I'm game. Let's go for it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So the cute cuteness spirit, is that a real or a fake spirit? I feel like that would be very on brand, but potentially maybe it's too obvious. Mm, I'm going to say that's a true one. That is that is true. Yes, you got that one. Okay, nice. That one's real. Okay, You're cool. one for one. Okay, the greed spirit. He's all about that cash money. Are co is coin collecting like a mechanic in the game? I, can you say that? Will that give the answer away? I can't. I can't. I can't tell. I'm gonna say. Sorry. I'm gonna say no. <laughs> no, that one's real. They're both. Uh, are both okay. Real. Yeah. All okay. Right. All right. Okay. The the nature spirit. I, I, I like. This is so arbitrary, Ben. I'm gonna, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> like, why not? No, that one's fake. Oh Come no! On. Oh, I'm so invested in this game, Ben. Oh no! How am I gonna? Co okay, go on. What's next? All right, uh, two more, two more, and then I'll give you the rest. <laughs> okay. Power, power spirit. Yeah. Yes, that one is real. That one's real. <laughs> okay. Good job. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The sausage spirit. Okay, that's that's got to be not true, right? Yeah, that one's not true. I was, I'm okay. throwing your bone. Yeah. Th all right, thank you. The ones that I left out were the speed spirit, the kindness spirit, and the fright spirit, who I assume just terrifies everybody. So I feel like we talked about the gyro controls, but I mean, if you couldn't guess, basically Yoshi's walking around in these different levels, and um, from what I could tell, he does not throw eggs in this game, which mm. is a crazy departure from his usual adventuring and you can shift things so that they're like 
you know, dead center and nice and even, or you can go left or right, but that's about it. You're not going like, you know, you're not holding your Game Boy completely upside down. It's just kind of like, you know, shuffling him from side to side. And, you know, mm. there's like puzzles and you have to unroll certain things. Uh, Yoshi gets on top of a big ball and, you know, you can kind of crush enemies and go across, you know, different areas. Okay. And uh, like y- Yoshi is known to do, he does uh, change shape. He can turn into a flying ship. He can turn into a balloon, a ball, and uh, also a boat with little, like, you know. That's really, like, what's really interesting for me is that, like, Nintendo's kind of, like, trajectory towards motion control kind of seems, it seems like they were just, like, magnetically, like, heading in that direction even before they had dedicated hardware for it. Even back on the Game Boy Color, it just seems like motion was just bleeding in to a lot of a lot of their franchises and stuff and i guess i guess i don't know like it's quite um i'll be honest like mechanically like a lot of the stuff that you're talking about none of it like really screams sort of like wow this is like a must play but in terms of i guess like the novelty factor for the time it must have been really really cool well i mean this is like the third or fourth maybe game to be released uh with you know the motion tilt control so at this point either one it should be really good you should have figured this out or you know, it like it's kind of lost its novelty. I think at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, people swear by Warrior uh, Wear Twisted, but some people say that's like the best WarriorWare game <laughs> is Twisted, um, and that the micro games really benefit from <laughs> that kind of like that whole user experience, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess like maybe they like maybe they just landed on the perfect thing <laughs> with that, and then they were just kind of like figuring out what to do with the tech they developed after that. Yeah, and and some people were concerned, like you know the Game Boy Advance SP, you plug the cartridge into the bottom and the game normal Game Boy Advance, you plug the cartridge in the top. So it's like, well, is the game going to be completely like out of whack if I, you know, play it on a different system? Even the DS and the DS Lite had, you know, cartridge in the bottom. But there's actually a setting in the game mm. that says, you know, you go into your settings and you say, I'm plugging the cartridge into the top or the bottom. So that's cool. That was a, that's really smart. Yeah, that that's really smart. Yeah, that's really cool. Ah, that's that's great. Do you? Uh, is there anything more that you want to say about uh, Yoshi's? What are the two titles? It's Yoshi's uh, Tilt and Tumble. Topsy Turvy. Topsy Turvy and Gravi- and Universal Gravitation. Was it? That's right. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I have left to say is that um, just apparently the game is really bad. I mean, I was uh, looking at the reviews, and uh, yeah, they said graceless and clumsy, choppy mediocre and boring um and one reviewer said that it is in his own words the worst nintendo published game on the on the game boy advance Oof, like big it's that oof. bad apparently now, yeah yeah not the worst game but the worst one that nintendo has actually you know put out themselves wow. so yeah i guess it's really short kind of repetitive and yeah i mean there was some fun mechanics early on but then it's just kind of like okay yeah here we go again with these same bad guys and these same kind of level setups so it's understandable maybe the positioning was meant to be for sort of like young children you know yoshi is Mm -hmm. often something that they kind of use for um game skewing even younger than usual um so maybe it was maybe if you think about it as like a like a really good rattle or something for a kid (laughs) like then then it it, like takes on a different context i guess Um, look yeah yoshi's movie yeah 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 i mean it was cute and it's a fun idea um i don't think it sold like super well and obviously didn't review very well but it is just another one of those interesting little i would say like misfires from nintendo um from over the years 
like very interesting yeah. right yeah so now now we get to learn about uh, your special game boy game that you picked yeah well i've got i've got like an honorable mention um before i go into my main one if that's okay oh yeah Is sure. that okay yeah so i really want to talk i just really want to like give a little like tip of the hat towards drill dozer um, mm. which I think is like a really special and often forgotten GBA game um, developed by Game Freak, uh, believe it believe it or not. Um, so yeah, um, it's a 2005 uh, kind of, it's a platformer uh, where you play as a little girl in a mech that has a drill on top. Any of you who've seen Goran Lagan out there, it's very much like Simone's mech in that. <laughs> um, uh, is a sort of, reference to that maybe um but yeah it's just really like beautiful looking kind of very punchy and super charismatic um sort of action platformer yeah yeah drill dozer like in the context of this it came with a special cartridge that was you know it had a rumble pack um you know i think rumble packs were a thing but as far as i'm aware i don't think drill dozer had any need for batteries (laughs) in its rumble pack which is pretty impressive but the main thing about it that like i really appreciate about drill dozer's cartridge is that it's aesthetically quite nice. Um, I've seen a lot of games with sort of like cartridge games with rumble in them um, that are very kind of uh, chunky, like ugly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just yeah. But it's it's got this really cool utilitarian kind of um, reddish cartridge, um, and it kind of like kind of evokes the drill a little bit, sort of thing. It's really cool. Yeah, it's, um, it's got little ridges on the top. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and I, yeah, I'm just, I really like that the kind of like the physical product kind of like, f- like actually reflects in a game element. <laughs> I think that's awesome. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like really impressive using your drill. Um, but the thing about it is that every time you would use your drill, this thing would vibrate. And you spend 90% of the game drilling. <laughs> so like drilling is like the main mechanic. I remember I picked the game up in high school and um, I, I took it to, you know, to actually play while I was at school, um, which was a mistake because every time I played it, it was rumbling and like my teacher could hear it. Or I feel like I took it to like an assembly that we had, like everyone had to go sit in the, in the, uh, uh, the auditorium. So that's, that's the word. How old were you? I would have been a freshman or a sophomore. So uh, like 14, 15 ish. Yeah, and I'm like, like, oh, don't, no one look at me. I'm not, I'm not playing a weird <laughs> game over here. <laughs> you're yeah. not doing anything else that's weird. No, you're just playing a, <laughs> a strangely obscure video game. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Um, but yeah, no, a lot of love for Drill Dozer. But yeah, like the main game that I really want to talk about, um, that I think is probably one of the coolest examples of like a proprietary cartridge or like a unique cartridge for a thing, especially like in the GBA era, is uh, Boktai, um, which was released by uh, Konami as like a kind of like secondary <laughs> vampire hunting IP. I mean, Konami obviously like, you know, super strongly associated with Castlevania. Right. Um but, uh, you know, we have along comes sort of Hideo Kojima uh, of Metal Gear Solid fame sort of acts as producer on this um, really strange and hyper unique GBA game. Essentially, Boktai is like a top down stealth game where you hunt vampires with a solar gun. Um, <laughs> And the way in which you sort of charge your gun up is through real world sunlight. So it's got this beautiful cartridge that again, like um, the Yoshi game has a kind of protrusion 
at the end um, mm -hmm. that has a solar sensor built into the cartridge. It's this like see-through cartridge that allows the light to pass through it. And when you slot it into your GBA, it would stick out just enough that the solar sensor would be visible. Um, and the idea was that you would go and out into the world or position yourself in sort of real world environments that sunlight was directly hitting the cartridge, which would power up your gun and allow you to sort of um, interact with sort of various mechanics and sort of slay vampires. Nice. And, it, and the cartridge itself was like clear plastic, right? If I remember. Yeah, it's it's a clear plastic cartridge. I've, I've, I'm holding it in my hands right now. Oh. Um, it's this, yeah, it's this beautiful, um, beautiful little thing. Yeah, I mean, those of you who are familiar with like the kind of like transparent game consoles of old, it's, yeah, it's like a see-through plastic cartridge with a really cool label on it and stuff. And I think um, it's just, Boktai is just like so fascinating to me on like so many different levels. It's a game that just could not exist today for a bunch of different reasons. And how like strangely ahead of its time it is in a bunch of different ways. It's, you know, it's got this beautiful art style. There are so many weird influences and stuff to it. You've got sort of like this anime aesthetic, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also very much kind of like inspired by spaghetti Western films, <laughs> believe it or not. Huh. Um, there is a, the protagonist of the game is called Django. And there is a spaghetti Western called Django, not for uh, Quentin Tarantino, Django right. Unchained. But there is a, you know, in which a sort of um, a character basically carries a coffin, but like pulls a coffin. Uh, it's, like a, it's like an iconic moment from that film. One of the central, the central gameplay loop in um, Boktai is that it's got like a lot of um, Metal Gear Solid sort of DNA in it. You know, even your stealthing about trying to save your energy as much as possible hmm. and sort of, you know, taking out enemies from the back, sort of. Um, sidling up against walls and sort of knocking your hand against the wall to attract attention, repositioning enemies around these maps and then sort of traversing the world to get to the boss, which is usually a vampire. But um, the other weird aspect of this is that beyond the anime and the kind of spaghetti Western influence, there's also this weird Norse mythology thing going on. <laughs> it's a very, very strange, unique combination of stuff, but it works so well together. And anyway, you beat a boss, you go, you go into the heart of a dungeon, you defeat the boss, and then um, you have to physically drag the boss's coffin out through the dungeon with you. So you have this interesting relationship with the dungeon where huh. you have this sort of first pass through where you go into the deepest part and you're using your weapons full power and you know, you're just fully able to sort of use all of the options available to you to sort of take out enemies. But then on the way back, you have to slowly drag this coffin that is constantly trying to like shake you off and like go back to the boss chamber. You know, the, like the undead immortal creature that you've managed to kill is like trying to like push the coffin from within back to the boss room. <laughs> it's really fun. You have to like then sort of like think about you know you're vulnerable while you're pulling this coffin so there's like things that you could traverse on your own that you can't with a coffin there's puzzles that require you to put the coffin on certain sort of switches and stuff and then when you get to the sort of end of a dungeon which is inherently the beginning there's this um space called a pile driver <laughs> which is not really like the wrestling term or anything it's 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 uh, like a big kind of target which you put the coffin in and you basically 
fire a bunch of solar energy at the boss for like a second phase of the boss fight in which you're kind of like putting the thing down for good in a kind of like wow. timed environment where you have to sort of keep su- sunlight on the solar sensor. It's a really interesting, weird game structure. This is probably where like the game becomes a bit contentious for some people because uh, this game straight up will not allow you to progress <laughs> if there's not sunlight hitting the sensor at that moment. So you can go through. Does it have to be sunlight, like actual sunlight, or can it just be like light? I've, I don't know. I don't think the game's... It needs to be real sunlight. I've tried putting artificial light on it, and to my um, recollection, it's never worked. So I think it was uh, able to tell. I'm, I'm sure if you got like a... Uh, special lamp. Special lamp, yeah. you could you could trick it for sure. But yeah, with most artificial light, it definitely does not work. So you've got this... Like, this you can play through most of the game without um, needing sunlight, actually. Um, there's certain mechanics at night that allow you to sort of... Um, uh, still use your gun by sort of scavenging for like leftover bits of like solar power <laughs> that are left around the map sort of thing. Um, wow. But in terms of like actually putting down like these immortal vampires for good, yeah, you have to have sunlight. So there are going to be occasions if you're playing at night and you get to one of these pile driver sections where you need to sort of put the, put the coffin, you know, um, in the thing and just vaporize, <laughs> vaporize whatever's inside. You have to wait until sunlight which is like really interesting. It's very interesting to me when a game is just like, no, you have to do this on my terms <laughs> in, like, <laughs> in like such an aggressive way. But it, yeah. I feel like it's really good that they did that because it's, it's sticking to its guns, literally. It's, like, it's, it's truly, it's truly <laughs> taking its like law seriously <laughs> in a way that I kind of like really appreciate. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, that, if that's the gimmick, you know what I mean? That's the thing, right? And yeah. they use, you know, it's not just like, oh, sunlight sort of powers your gun sort of thing. I mean, that is the central mechanic, right? But, um, mm. you know, it's a stealth game. And just like in any sort of Metal Gear game, um, if you're found, there's like a, the enemy will have a, like a red exclamation mark across, across their head, <laughs> um, you know, with a similar sound effect even to Metal Gear. There are mini dungeons and big dungeons, and you basically have to go through each of these sort of like stealth challenges without being scene um and you get ranked based on your performance but within that you know there are sort of ice areas where if you have sunlight on the sensor certain ice Mm. areas will melt resulting in puddles and if you step in those puddles you will attract the noise of your footsteps will attract enemies um wow so there are there are instances in which you need to sort of like cover the solar sensor and not cover the solar sensor you it's it's such an interesting game because i've never played anything still other than maybe pokemon go that has like made me really actively think about the environment and world in which i'm in in order to sort of play Mm. the game he you know there's an old interview with kojima where he said like he was like thinking about ideas about what if you played like a cd game where like if the you failed at the game the cd would break you know, he was thinking very much about these kind of like fourth wall breaking. Mm. There is a there is a game like that. I actually wrote a big long uh, article about it. Oh, sweet! Uh, really? That's yeah, cool. Yeah, it's 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 called Submission, and it's a game. I actually have it sitting here on my shelf. Um, and it's a game that if you lost, I think they gave you three chances. Um, then the game would like it would corrupt itself. Whoa! Like it would just become an unplayable like disc. Yeah. Well, not even a disc. This was like back when it was like floppy disks. So that yeah. was wild. I mean, 
you 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 see a lot of this stuff in a lot of Kojima's games, right? This kind of like, how can I how can I do something that kind of like reaches out and sort of like messes with the real world player in some way? Mm-hmm. For me, it kind of goes beyond being a gimmick. I think it's like one of the most like interesting uses of sort of like tech with a video game that I've seen. Um, and it's still really fun, good to play even today. It's just so cool. And it even managed to get like a few sequels. Um, but I don't believe Kojima was producer on Boktai 2. The kind of games shifted from being stealth focused to being more sort of EXP grindy action adventure games. The games kind of like lost a little bit of their focus and identity. I still love those games, um, but they definitely lost this. A little little bit of magic was lost from like the laser focus of like the first Boktai game, which seemed very confident about like what it was and what it needed to be. I don't I don't know that much about the games. I mean, now I know a lot because you just told me. But, <laughs> Sorry about um, that. <laughs> going 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 into this conversation, like you know, I knew about the sensor and stuff, but the one thing that really stuck with me was that in Japan when they launched this game, um there was a special bonus that you got if you like purchased it early and it was literally a coffin for your Game Boy. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. It's like it's, it's how cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. But yeah, super weird, super strange, like and special video game that I will always like remember playing through as a kid. Like very visceral memories of like vanquishing a vampire right before the sunset in real life, and then seeing that like that be reflected in game when things shift to nighttime. Just really cool stuff. Well, there's tons of you know other interesting facts and anecdotes and interviews. Um, to be found in a profound waste of time. Where can people find the uh, magazine online? Oh, well, um, I would usually say just go to apwot.com, A-P-W-O-T.com. Uh, but everything's kind of sold out at the moment because the Kickstarter's uh, been doing really well. So um, you should, maybe if you want to get, we still have a few issues saved for backers. Um, if you want all three, um, you can get them by going on Kickstarter and looking for a profound waste of time issue three. Um, or yeah, you can find us, I guess, like if you want to follow us on socials, it would be at apwotmag, A-P-W-O-T, uh, mag, M-A-G. If Twitter's still here by the time mm-hmm. this goes out, then yeah, the, you can, you can use that username. And then there's also, it's the same for Instagram and all the other platforms it's on there. Um, and yeah, I'm personally, Great. um, at Kazwis, C-A-Z-W-I-S, if you want to, follow me but I'm, I'm very boring i promise you so it's not, it's not worth it <laughs> but give it a go if, you, if you're so inclined <laughs> he's yeah. lying he's yeah. lying um but yeah uh, that, that i think that's everything i can plug right now at least <laughs> well yeah well hey well thanks so much for coming on and talking to us today um i know this was just kind of a bonus episode so we didn't get to go like maybe as in depth as usual but we would, uh, you know, always love to have you back to talk about uh, more Boktai uh, or yeah, you know, any other thing that tickles your fancy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much um, for having me. It's really cool to be on the show. And yeah, uh, I, yeah, I really appreciate you. And I'm looking forward to seeing that draft, mate. I'm, like, <laughs> <you> got, <laughs> I'm waiting, dude. I'm waiting. Uh, the pressure. The yeah. pressure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Everybody go check out uh, Profound Waste of Time, uh, issue three and the other issues if they're available. And we will be back with more episodes very soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>